0: what's going on gang happy Tuesday September 29th man I can't believe it's almost October had a nice iced pumpkin spice latte this morning embraced my uh, embraced my inner white girl this morning it was really good it was fantastic I'm I'm more of a pumpkin cold brew guy myself um, didn't get enough ice in the pumpkin spice latte this morning iced pumpkin spice latte uh, and it's not that great warm pumpkin and warmness uh, unless it's hot lukewarm is not great so uh, a little bit more ice in the pumpkin spice latte anyway let's jump right into a hokey haiku shall we we have a daily double daily double 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 little jeopardy uh, jeopardy hat nod here we have two hokey haikus both submitted by l powers uh, or Ellie powers excuse me if i am not pronouncing that correctly um two fantastic submissions she's done a great job first one is titled lane of yesteryear cheer squad band bird core townies alums fans fill the stands growly fetch then jump fantastic work that's is i think this is my first time reading a haiku as well that isn't my own uh, and then our second one about the quarterbacks three quarterbacks strong hendon quincy and braxton hokies Love them all. Yes, we do. This podcast, we have a fantastic interview for you today with Isaiah Ford, one of the all-time greats uh, at Virginia Tech to do it, good friend of mine, uh, just an all-around fantastic human being. This podcast is brought to you by The Main Street Pharmacy. The Main Street Pharmacy is the best pharmacy in all of the New River Valley. They do a fantastic job taking care of students, taking care of residents, taking care of anybody that has any type of need. Go on down there on Main Street. Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts will greet you with a smile. You are more than a number. You are a person. It is the best pharmacy and the choice of everyone in Blacksburg. So a couple amendments that I wanted to make before we get into this interview um you know we miss something make a mistake we're gonna come on here and we're gonna address it Quincy Patterson I don't believe that he got the love that he deserved on our uh on our post game podcast and I say that look first one in a while shaking off the jitters so much talent on the field so it's hard to keep up with uh with everybody but he definitely is deserving of more props So I just want to go over his performance. Came in, no jitters, handled his business, was calm, cool, and collective. I really don't understand, from a defensive perspective, how you prevent him from getting three to four yards any time that he wants to. With his frame, that offensive line, his ability to just run downhill, he's a complete locomotive. Anyway, he finished the game four of six for 75 yards. He had 10 rushes for 47 yards and... Again, just the epitome of, of the culture that this team has really built uh, with Coach Fuente. Just guys who care about winning, care about getting the job done. Um, Quincy Patterson is absolutely fantastic. Fantastic job by him. Uh, aside from that, a couple more statistics. Our running game is rated number two in the country behind the Army Black Knights. Uh, go Navy beat Army. We had 314 yards last game, 7.66 yards per rush, which is the best in the United States of America. We had three touchdowns as well. Our overall offense is rated 16th in the United States of America. We are second in the nation in yards per play at 853 per play. Another amendment. We called out the skipper crew. Um, Got a couple anonymous messages from the skipper crew Look, first and foremost, we were not calling out. It was more so just joking around, but we did get some anonymous messages saying that the Skipper crew or the Skipper Cannon should fire on national television. I do agree with that. But rumor has it Virginia Tech is not putting enough effort and care into maintaining the Skipper Cannon, which may be why it is not firing. So, hey, Virginia Tech, step it up skipper cannon huge part of the game day experience definitely want to make sure that maintenance is being handled on the skipper cannon a couple other notes here um joe giglio if you guys did not follow this story i came across a article uh, by joe giglio he's a writer i believe he is an nc state grad he ranked the Hokies sixth in the acc which i mean whatever like i don't agree with that that's fine But he had in his comment about the team, imagine how good the Hokies would be if so many players didn't transfer or if the ones there actually still liked Justin Fuente. And look, I will have none of that. Um, That is a baseless, a completely baseless headline. Um, There's no player, to my knowledge, that has said anything negative about that. So I basically just tweeted back. With some of the transfer production we saw last week, Justice Reed, five tackles, two sacks, Khalil Herbert, 104, 46 receiving yards, Raheem Blackshear scored, Braxton Burmeister, 67 yards, 106 yards passing, Devin Taylor was fantastic. I mean, we had guys up and down the field making plays all week uh, to help us out. And to his credit, to Joe Giglio's credit, he did put out an apology. Uh, He said, after reading Billy Schmurter's thread, I should not have characterized the relationship of the current players with Fuente. The problems have been in the transfer portal, not the ones in the team. I have changed the comment to reflect my mistake. His new comment has a still ranked sixth, whatever issues fifth year coach Justin Fuente had with his players leaving the program appear to have been corrected. Um, Thank you, Joe Giglio for fixing that. I do appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. We, Put basically every podcast we've had with former players uh, and current players in there for his uh, researching ability there. Um, look, I'm obviously a Coach vunte fan. Uh, played for him. Know him. I have a relationship with him now. Uh, I have nothing but positive things to say about him. And this is what we're talking about with the peanut gallery. We won't stand for baseless slander. We won't stand for negativity that isn't deserved. We will call it how it is, but that was just completely pulled out of nowhere i know that there is no player on the team right now that is out here saying that so to put that out there is is just ridiculous and who knows who's reading it and who knows who's retweeting it there's no reason to put that out in the ether um so don't bring if you do that i will call you out and i will bring facts to the table and i will make you look goofy that's just who it is i don't care if you have a blue check mark or not um i'm just gonna speak to what i know and people should exercise that same that same thing so don't bring that cotton soft garbage to the timeline, but speaking of softness, before we get into this interview, I want to shout out Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is the softest t-shirts and sweatshirts in the game. They take the time to research the university, take the time to research the school, and to bring you top tier clothing and apparel, please check out homefieldapparel.com and uh, use code Sons of Sat for a nice little discount off of your purchase. Aside from that, fantastic interview with Isaiah Ford. We have some fantastic, fantastic stuff coming up here this week with the Scribes of Saturday and the Locks of Saturday. Tune in, let us know what's going on, and we will be talking to you real soon, and I think you'll like our guest coming up here on Sunday. See you all soon, and enjoy the interview with Isaiah Ford.
1: everybody welcome back we are recording this on sunday september 27th high off a of Hokie victory and high off a of dolphin's fantastic performance on thursday night football on thursday night we got isaiah ford joining us if you're a hokey fan and you don't know who isaiah ford is well you're about to learn isaiah played receiver at virginia tech he's from jacksonville florida from trinity christian high school Played three years under Coach Beamer and Coach Fuente as a wide receiver. In those three years, he, uh, he racked up some records. He currently holds the Virginia Tech record for uh, yards gained in a season with 1,164 touchdown receptions in a year with 11 career touchdown receptions with 24, as well as passes caught in a season with 79 In 2017, Isaiah was drafted in the seventh round by the Dolphins, and now he is joining the Sons of Saturday. Isaiah, welcome to the Sons of Saturday.
2: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about it.
1: We are fired up. So we got to kick things off here. You got to go home this past week and play up in Jacksonville. How was it, and are you still there right now? Like, uh, How was that experience?
2: Yeah, it was awesome. So unfortunately, we didn't get to spend much time – um in Jacksonville due to um the pandemic and everything that's going on um so I wasn't really able to see a lot of my family or have them swing by the hotel or anything like that but just to be able to play in that stadium man uh in front of like the stadium that I grew up you know watching or grew up wanting to play in you know and, and kind of see everything come full circle it was really cool that's
1: awesome Who was able to
0: pop my bag go ahead
1: I want to know, like, who was able to come? Who was able to show up? Was it family members? Were friends allowed to come? Like, how many people were you allowed to essentially give access to come see you? What was that like?
2: Yeah, so I ended up having about, like, 20 20 tickets um, for the game. So uh, a lot of my immediate family, my mom, my dad, um, my stepmom, my stepdad, my brothers, uh, their significant others um then a few of my best friends that I went to high school with and I played ball with and then I actually got to invite um my two AAU basketball coaches and, and their kids as well too so I thought that was pretty cool to um, kind of see them get to come to the game too because they put a lot of work into not just although it is basketball but helping me become the person and the athlete that I am today so
0: Question, so I knew that I noticed that you said you had never played in that stadium. In the state of Florida, where do you guys play your state championships at? Do you guys did you guys play that at the old dolphin stadium? Where where were you guys playing those games?
2: So we play at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Okay, in Orlando. Where we played the ACC championship um in 2016. Yep. We play we play on that stadium.
0: Okay. So to follow up on that too. How about a hell of a start for the Hokies yesterday? Did you get a chance to watch yesterday? What did you think? Uh, what was your feeling going into the game? Kind of just talk a little bit about that, because I'm assuming you don't really get a chance to watch Virginia Tech play a lot with meetings and everything going on on Saturday.
2: Yeah, so I was excited, um, especially to get to kind of sit down and watch the game almost from start to finish. Um, but we played well, man. I was I was really excited. I was a little nervous when they released the list of how many players that weren't going to be able to play Right before the game, but I think that um, you know, all the guys that um that did play, it was next man up, and they stepped in and they and they played hard. They played well, man. From the quarterback to even uh our our coaches, when Coach Hamilton wasn't able to uh, to coach, and we had guys step in and and fill a role. So I thought that was great to see.
3: So Isaiah, let's take it all the way back pre VT days. You were recruited initially by Louisville. Arkansas, Cincinnati, and Boston College, but chose to call Blacksburg home. In your recruiting process, what factors were the most important to you when making your decision?
2: Uh, The biggest one, honestly, was how comfortable my family was um, with the coaching staff. Um, And I say that because, um, you know, my high school coaches – was big on telling us that, you know, don't go to a school because it's your favorite school. Go because it's the right fit, you know? And um, so throughout that process, um, I think when it, when I narrowed it down to Louisville and Virginia Tech, both great schools where I felt like I'd have a really good opportunity. Um, And then it was about which one would stand out. And then um, the relationship that I had with Unbelievable. And then even when I committed to Louisville, you know, I still had a really good relationship with those guys. And I think that was really the determining factor of What made my decision so easy uh, once everything happened
0: can you talk a little bit about kind of your recruitment to virginia tech so obviously being recruited to virginia tech um pre-coach strong leaving louisville who kind of started that relationship with you and virginia tech and how did that materialize over the years as they passed
2: yeah so coach wiles was my personal recruiter uh he was responsible for the state of florida so um started from about sophomore year in high school just. Him coming down and seeing me play, and then us kind of talking uh, through the phone or the Facebook or however it was, and us just building a relationship that way. And then um, once I did commit, you know, he told me that he wanted to continue recruiting me and uh, continue building that relationship because you never know. And he just wanted to get me out to Virginia Tech was the biggest thing. And um, man, Blacksburg is a special place, and I tell people that all the time. Uh, it's it's nothing like it. It's it's, it's really hard to explain. Um, and I know that our mantra and our motto is, this is home. And, and really, that's how I feel about Blacksburg. And once I visited, I got to feel that, you know, how special of a place that Blacksburg was. And, and it made my decision kind of hard, to be honest. Um, like, I was committed to Louisville, but I felt so passionately about Virginia Tech. So um, when Coach Strong uh, announced that he was going to Texas, it kind of made my decision easy.
0: So on that note, uh, the recruiting process with Coach Wiles and, and Coach Leffler and Coach Beamer, you're a humble guy. You don't talk about this kind of stuff a lot, but I want you to t- tell the story that a lot of people don't know. So Coach Beamer, Coach Wiles, Coach Leffler all come down to watch you play a basketball game. Um, and this kind of just tell, take the story from there. So you're playing again. You, know, you, you were high school teammates with Grayson Allen. Um, tell me a little bit about that basketball game and what happened that night.
2: Yeah, and um I mean that just speaks volumes on the relationship that I had with those guys. You know, like this is Coach Beamer, so Hall of Fame coaching is he he's in a small gym in Jacksonville, Florida in Trinity Christian watching me play basketball, you know? Um and this was even when I was still committed to Louisville. Um so just speaking on how how big of a relationship that I had with those guys. But so they come down to the game. So we have Coach Beamer, Coach Leffler. Uh, Coach Wiles and Coach Moorhead literally standing under the basket uh, of my high school game. Um, and I ended up having a really good game that game. And then um, just uh, spending time with them after the game. And I think that was the the moment where I decided that I was coming to Virginia Tech. And I, and I decided to let them know about it. You had a really good game. Do you remember your stat line from that game? I might have had around 30 points, 32, something like that. I do remember uh, I caught a, a nice a nice lob um, and finished it and then towards the end of the game I knew they were there so I tried to do a 360 to close the game out but I missed it unfortunately
1: <laughs> um,
2: I, I missed it but um no it was a lot of fun It was a lot of fun.
1: That is awesome. So Billy, I just mentioned that you uh, you had played a little bit of ball with Grace and Allen uh, back in Jacksonville growing up. Gotta hear what Grayson Allen is like on the course. I know, you know, he played for Duke. You know, we have that rivalry and everything. But uh, I guess sell me on Grayson Allen off of the basketball court.
2: Man, he's a he's a great a great person. Um, he comes from a really really strong family. Um, his parents are a great people as well. Like really quiet, um, just really really nice, genuine people. Um, so and Grayson's the same way. Just on the court. He's a competitor, you know, and I think that that's kind of where you see the antics or the things that people have seen and come to not like him so much from watching him play. But I think he's just trying to get an edge. You know, he'll do anything to win the game because he's that competitive. And I think that's all it is.
3: So, Isaiah, there was a time where you almost suited up for the men's basketball team at Virginia Tech. And upon arriving in Blacksburg, what made you decide to focus, like, individually on football?
2: Uh, So, it was after my freshman year. So, if you know me, and Billy can probably tell you this better than anyone, um, I missed home a ton my freshman year. It was the point where if we had two days off on the weekend I was calling my mom or calling my brother and asking them if they could come pick me up and take me home you know and in, in Blacksburg is eight hours from Jacksonville so it's not like it was a, a quick trip or anything but I went home so much my um, freshman year so when the season was finally over um it was like okay well if you're gonna play basketball then you have to go back to tech early and start practicing with the basketball team but so we had about a month off before school started back and everything. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like it was <laughs> it was cold. It was freezing. And I was just now kind of getting to spend some time with my family and everything. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay home for this school break. And um, it kind of ended up just happening out that way. And then uh, that off season, I just focused on getting stronger, getting bigger, because that had been the first off season that I actually got to Spent a full time training and working on my body um, and trying to build it, build on it. I was always a skinny kid just because I played from basketball to football and football back to basketball without a a real break or time to build my body, so.
0: How how were you able, just to follow up on that, you know, yeah, I was shocked at how you were able to, we play a noon game, three for (laughs) 30, you're in a car driving to Jacksonville staying in Jacksonville and then the Snapchat story has you coming back at four o'clock in the morning and ending up back at lifts or practice, whatever we had on Monday. How are you able to kind of adjust? And, uh, I mean, everybody's going to miss home all the time, but how are you able to kind of transition and make Blacksburg feel more like home? What do you think attributed to you being able to make that adjustment?
2: I think it was a relationship that I had with my teammates, you know, I, and, um, I was, I'm always a person that is kind of an introverted, um, until I get to know someone. And then uh, I think once I kind of actually start to open my shell and like spend time with and build relationships with my teammates, I, I start to realize like how fun that college was and um, how cool it was to be around my teammates. And I, a lot of you guys might not know this, but Billy was actually my first friend um, at Virginia Tech um, when we first got to camp, campus. Um, you know, he's just this, this loud, outgoing person, and, and we're kind of like polar opposites, but it was like perfect, you know, how we gel together. And we spent a lot of time from freshman year um, all the way into my junior year, but um, just getting to know those guys, getting to know Billy, getting to know Greg, Cam, you know, CJ, Ricky, all those guys, Mike, um, Santa Maria, and all those guys, just getting to know them and understand their backgrounds and how we all came together for a common goal. It was really cool, and I think that's when it really started to feel like home. Um,
3: that's
0: awesome. Yeah, I can't, that, uh, I, know I, can't, I can't stamp that enough because you know everybody was kind of dealing with you know having a, it's a huge transition from uh, from high school to college and you're spending a ton of time with uh, with one another. Um, it was a lot of uh, <laughs> it was a lot of arguing over whose high school team was better. It was a lot of ar- arguing over uh, you know FIFA or um, whatever it was, but uh, it was definitely a special group. And um, I mean, I remember too freshman year, I would be talking to you know i'd be in vinnie mahota's here i'm like hey man like you ever had a new jersey pizza like how would you like to just go to new jersey this weekend and get me to go home so yeah it was definitely an adjustment but it was made so much easier with just the really great group we had um so back to the basketball thing here what what transferable skills from your basketball career do you think helped you out in football like we often talk to athletes about you know, you used to wrestle or you used to play baseball or um, in your case, you used to play basketball. How did those the skill set you developed on the hardwood transfer to the football field?
2: I think um, two of the biggest things are probably like just movements um, functional wise and where this releases or at the top of the routes or even after the catch. You know, when you just having that wiggle and ability once you get the ball in your hands, um just because I feel like if you can get by someone with the basketball in your hands, without a basketball in your hand, it should be a lot easier, right? So I think that doing that, whether it was a crossover or anything like that, kind of made it easier on the football field. And then the ball skills of just tracking the ball, going up and attacking the ball at the highest point, things like that. So it's just like going up and getting a rebound or catching the lob or trying to finish at the rim, um, things like that. So I think those are the two main things that um really helped um, transition and help me succeed from the basketball court playing football as well too.
3: And as a true freshman, you were immediately thrown into the fire with your second game. September 6, 2014, you faced the Ohio State Buckeyes in the horseshoe, no less, what was that night like and what kind of nerves did you face in your first true primetime matchup especially against a school like Ohio State?
2: right man it was it was unbelievable um and uh, I think the the first game of the season against William and Mary helped me out a little bit kind of shake the nerves um, just because that was my first time playing in front of that many people. And then once you're in it, it's like you don't really have time to process getting nervous. Um, so we go to Ohio State before the pregame. Like, if you've never been, their stadium is like how high it's structured. It looks like everyone's just looking down on you. So it's kind of – it's actually pretty cool. And then so it's like 107,000 or something like that. And LeBron's there. So that added on top of that, if, any, if anyone knows me, they know I'm probably the biggest LeBron fan there is. But – I can um, attest to that. Sure. <laughs> so, just, so just having all that going in, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. But, but like I said, once that first once that whistle plays and you get hit a little bit, it's just, it just turns back to the game that you've been playing since you were five years old.
3: So you had two wide receiver coaches throughout your time in Blacksburg. How did Coach Aaron Moorhead and then Coach Holman Wiggins help contribute to developing your game at the position?
2: Yeah, so I think um, Coach Moorhead kind of set the foundation of the receiver that I wanted to be and the receiver that the receiver that I am today, and that's laying the foundation of being technical. Um, he was huge on being uh, fundamentally sound in your techniques at whether that was at the top of the route, coming out of your stance, um, or running back to the ball, catching the ball clean, looking at it all the way in, tucking it, and things like that. And I think. Um, so from laying that foundation as a as a freshman to by the time my junior year comes around and me and Coach Williams are um are working together, it's about, you know, what can we do to be greedy? You know, not just settling for five yard catches or five yard out routes, trying to turn those into something bigger. And make, making these chunk plays and taking advantage of every opportunity, you know, seeing the defenses, exp- knowing what to expect when you're getting man coverage versus zone coverage, and where to be, where the uh, when to be where the quarterback is expecting you, and things like that. Just kind of taking my knowledge of the game to the next level.
1: They had multiple coaches at the wide receiver position, but you also had multiple quarterbacks while you were at Tech. If you could compare and contrast, first Michael Brewer, Brendan Motley, Gerard Evans, what? parts of their skill sets made you have to kind of change the way that you went out and, uh, worked with each, uh, quarterback over the years. Right.
2: Um, so I think that, um, my, and, um, and Gerard were a little more similar than to each other than they were to Brewer. Um, Brewer was a shorter guy. So it was always about kind of finding him, um, uh, if you can find them through the lineman or kind of seeing him because as a receiver, you always want to see the quarterback, throw the ball, see him release the ball. I think that's, it's always easier to catch it that way. But sometimes when the shorter guys, you kind of have to find a little crease or something where they can fit the ball through and you can actually um, see them. So I think that was the, one of the bigger things is kind of um, being on the same page with that. Um, But man Brewer was awesome. He was a extremely tough leader. Um and I think that all three of those guys have that in common where they were extremely tough, you know. They led the pack um, extremely well, you know, and um and they were really good at improvising too. Brewer, um, with extending plays like even if you go back to that Ohio State game where he's extending drives or breaking out of the pocket and then just improvising. I think that um, they were always at their best when they were doing things like that.
1: So you played three years at Tech, and I picked out four games that I want you to power rank uh, from 2014, 15, and 16. So number one, the Ohio State game. You're the new kid on the block. It's your second game. Huge team win. Have a couple of key catches in that game. 2015, NC State game. I mean, three touchdowns in the first (laughs) quarter uh, right after the rain. Just making it look easy. The 2015 UVA game at the end of the year, Coach Beamer's last win in Charlottesville, and you had a key uh, touchdown catch in the end zone there. And then the 2016 Pittsburgh game, you make the heroic effort. You're beating Narduzzi's defensive backs all night. Get the dub. Out of those four, let's hear the power ranking. Okay.
2: I think we'll have to go number one being uh, the last game in, in – uh... In UV, at UVA uh, Coach Beamer's last game at UVA just because that was a huge game man um, we We're I think we are both 5 and 6 at the time maybe something like that so mm-hmm. this game was like whoever wins this game is going to a bowl game so we got to keep the bowl streak alive for Coach Beamer's last game on top of it being his last time playing against UVA and we actually were losing in the fourth quarter, if I remember. Like it was, it was a time where I was like, "Man, like this cannot happen," you know. And then um, we just had a few drives. We got got a rhythm. Really, we got some plays going down the field. And I remember it was like, we haven't had much time to to throw the ball really downfield. And it was just like third and sixteen. We run a double move that that me and Brewer had kind of. Spent a lot of time in the offseason just working on stuff. So we run a double move on third and 16, and I get behind the defense. I catch the touchdown to tie the game. And then we get a stop on defense, and we go down and score. Or Joey kicks the field goal to put us up, and we end up winning the game. So I think that one was special um, just because of how it played out and everything, and it being Coach Berman's last game, so sending him off the right way. Um, After that would would have to be uh, the game against Pitt. Um, just because they were so stubborn in the way that they were going to play defense, and I and I vividly remember Coach Quentin oh, yeah. on the sideline coming to the wideouts and saying, "Like, look, if he's not going to change, then we're not either. You know, we're going to throw fades on them until they can stop it." And and literally, that's what it was. And it was it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing um from that standpoint, and for that being. Me, Cam, and Bucky's first time ever going for hundred yards, all three of us in one game. That was a huge milestone for us because that was something that we always wanted to hit. Um, and then that was the the record breaking touchdown as well. Um, catching it in the end zone um to win the game. So that would probably have to be my second favorite. Um the win in Ohio State would probably be third. Um Wow. For me. Personally, it was a huge win for us. But I feel like I didn't play that well. Um, I had a few catches, and I know I, I had a a chunk play knocked out by Eli Apple. I believe it was. I was on the ground, and he he kind of kneed the ball out. Um, that would have been a big play. So maybe if I would have made that play, that one would have been a little <laughs> higher on the list. But, but no, that was a, that was a great win. And then to have LeBron at the game too, I thought that was that was awesome to kind of see. See him on the sidelines in the flesh, and
0: then we have LeBron questions for later. And I, I knew you were somehow going to sneak LeBron in before we even brought him. <laughs> so mark your bulletin, mark your bingo boys down if you had over two before we even start talking about LeBron rising.
2: Oh yep, and then what was the last one?
0: NC um, State. You scored three touchdowns in the right? quarter.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. number four. <laughs> that one only because it was like. It, felt, it almost felt like it was a drill, to be honest. Like we were, it was like, I mean, we had four catches, maybe like 40 yards or something like that, but three touchdowns were in the red zone um, majority of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I, I remember one, we, we uh, ran a, a double move right into a corner blitz. Um, so that was just a great play call by Coach Lefty. Um, practicing the look and knowing that when the defense is going to show us that look and calling the perfect play right into it. And then the second two is just Motley making heck heck of a throw, man. One of them, um, he threw late back towards the middle, which was extremely my fault. I was supposed to keep going outside and, and marrying with the quarterback on the neck. It. Um, and anybody who knows quarterback play knows you never throw the ball late <laughs> towards the middle, but he did it. He fit it in between like three guys. And um, and I caught the pass, so um, big shout-out to Motley for that throw. But, you um, know, that was a lot of fun, too.
0: Huge shout-out to Motley, honestly. It, it gets forgotten. Every time his number was called, he found a way to get it done. And that NC State team, we were talking about this with Lays last week. That was a good NC State team. They had a, they had a fantastic secondary. They had a quarterback. Uh, and um, why am I forgetting his name? Jacoby Brissett, uh, who went into the NFL that year. Uh, fantastic team. So that was a huge win also on Friday night. In yeah, it was, yeah, we needed
2: it. We needed it.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about your uh, NFL career here and you can't start that off without saying so after the belt bowl, how did you make the decision? When did you make the decision that you were going to make the leap to the NFL and who did you consult? How did coach Fonte help you through that process? Just kind of shine a light on, uh, on how that how all that went down for you.
2: Yeah. So, um, Really, it was just me talking with my family. Um, then I talked to Coach Fuente and um, Coach Wiggins a bit. Um, if I could have anything back, I would have talked to them, got, uh, to Coach Fuente a little bit more um, about, the, about the whole situation and everything. But I think that I didn't want to spend too much focus on it because I felt like I was doing the, the seniors and, and my teammates a disservice by focusing so much on that decision especially when we had ball left to play. Um, But so we spent time, I spent time talking with my family about it and and my mom and my dad, um, they knew the reality of the situation that it was a possibility that I could come out. So what they did was they met with the agents. I told, I didn't want anyone calling my phone or anything like that. They met with those guys and they narrowed it down to a group of three um, agents, agencies. Um, And then right after the, ACC championship. I want to say we, uh, we had, we set up meetings to where I would actually, I finally agreed that I'd meet with them and just hear what they had to say. Um, and then I met with my agency, CAA. And, um, I was like, if this, if I'm coming out, then this is the agency that I want to, I want to be with. I didn't have to meet with the other two. I knew who I wanted to go with if that was the route that I was going to go. Um, I talked to coach Fuente a little bit and, um, he just gave me kind of his input is like, you know, that I'm going to support a decision that you're going to make regardless. Um, I think you're, you're a great player, you know, and that you're going to succeed whenever the time is right. But he was saying that if you were to come back, just know that I'm, I'm going to push you extremely hard, you know, because we got a really chance of being really good next year. Um, and, and kind of, and Wiggins kind of echoed that message as well. Um, so the decision was a lot harder than most people think just because of how close I was um with everyone at tech, you know. And um it just kinda goes how crazy it was because if we had that decision probably freshman year early on, I would have left and not thought twice about it. Just because I wasn't as close with everyone. But junior year, like the relationship that I had with you guys, man, with my teammates, with everyone, with the coaching staff, I was genuinely beginning to have fun, you know, and I was enjoying the process. We were winning. We were reaping the benefits of of putting that, all that work in, you know, and I think that we really could have had something extremely special with my, my senior year. Um, but it's coming off back to back thousand yard seasons with one of them having 11 touchdowns and the other one playing against uh, Clemson and ACC championship. We just thought that it was the best decision to make um, going forward. So that's how we came to that decision.
0: And moving into your career in the NFL and, you know, Personally, we talk about it, um, I was just talking about it with Mike on the, uh, the other day, like I couldn't be happier for everything that's unfolding to you uh, unfolding this year for you, uh, you know, God willing and everything kind of paying off. But I want to talk a little bit about the adjustment that it had to be um, coming into the NFL going from being, you know, you tweeted it the other day, a hometown hero in Blacksburg being an absolute superstar in Blacksburg, the number one receiver, breaking records uh, in your first couple of years in the league. You're fighting for reps. You're fighting to get better. You're fighting for way fighting for ways to get onto the field. As you kind of adjusted to that different role and worked for those reps, how were you able to adjust to that different setting and just keep your head down and grind to get to for the potential to have an opportunity like you're having this year?
2: Right. Um, I had to focus on controlling the things that I could, um, and I think. As a competitor, as a, the ultimate competitor, that's extremely hard to do. You know, you always want to be in control of your own destiny. You want to, you know, you're always taught that when you work extremely hard, you know, things will happen for you for the better. Like you'll reap the benefits. Well, this was a situation where it it was possible that I could have worked extremely hard, you know, but it wasn't in my control. You know, there was things that had to align and things that had to happen for me to even get an opportunity. And I was okay by saying that, you know what, if I work my tail off and I do everything in my power and it and I don't get that opportunity, I'll be able to look back at, at myself and say that, hey, I did everything the right way. You know, so once I was at peace with that decision, um, I found it easier to to stay locked in and stay focused on doing the things that I needed to be, if that the opportunity ever came. And I think that's just a testament not only to my parents but to the coaching staff um from Trinity Christian to Virginia Tech because that's that was the type of teams that we were. We're we're gonna put our heads down, we're blue collar, we're gonna go to work, we're gonna bring our lunch pill every day, you know, and we're gonna let the chips fall where they may. So I think um really the um Coach Beamer, Coach Fuente and Coach Dominy back at Trinity Christian, I think those guys are are a huge reason of why I am the way I am today and why I why I work the way that I do.
3: So how does the NFL lifestyle and schedule compare to that of the lifestyle and schedule of a student athlete? I
2: think that the schedules in itself are pretty similar. Um, you just take out school. So, so every, every time where you would have class or something like that, you're, studying film or you're installing plays or whatever that case may be. So the schedules are similar, but football is your only concern, you know? And which is which is kind of cool um to the aspect there. That there's no no outside things that are going on. Well of course there are gonna be things that people have in their lives that's going on, but once you're clocking in to that facility from whether it's eight to five thirty or eight to six whenever you leave the facility Everything is ball. You don't have to to reset and go, okay, let me go focus on this calculus class or let me go focus on creative writing with Miss Harville or something like that, whatever the case may be. It's like, you know, I'm locked into how do we beat the Buffalo Bills or how will we beat uh, the Seattle Seahawks coming up and um, just learning on, on that and trying to get better from it. So I think that's pretty cool.
1: So another
0: question that I have is, you know, a lot of times talking to folks that make the transition from the NFL to college or from college, to the NFL is, is different. Like you're not, you're not coming in with the same guys. You're not living in the dorms together. You're not doing any of these things together. But what I thought was really cool and you were, you were a part of this is the Dolphins with everything going on today and the social injustice and everything, the Dolphins put out uh, a fantastic video and it's almost kind of, had brought people together to have bigger conversations about what's going on in the world have you noticed a change with kind of the connectivity that you have with the team or the relationships that you have with your teammates um since this this has all gone down not just with the pandemic but everything
2: going on in the world today right Uh, I think that we're kind of growing together you know and um we're a young team um as a whole but um and I think we have a few um, older guys in certain spots um, to kind of light the way for how that veteran leadership is and how things should we should go about them in terms of being a professional. Um, but no, our team is is a really tight knit group. Like we actually care about each other, um, not just on the field, but off the field. And I think that that's so unique at this level because it's really like a college feel to it. You know, and I think those are the times that um, you don't really feel like you're at work when you can. You know, get on the game and and play the game all day with 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 all the all the wide receivers. Or you can go to go to one of the tight ends' houses and just watch the game and relax and talk to those guys and do things together off, outside the the facility. I know we can't go as many places as we could because of the pandemic, but still, just spending that time together, whether it's texting each other, calling each other, playing the game, whatever it is, and I think that helps you with the. Um, trust and the bond that you can kind of create and that carries over to the field as well, so.
0: And then kind of to further the the impact that you've been making, I wanna talk about the Be The Change Scholarship, which uh, is a fantastic initiative uh, providing scholarships for deserving African-American students, uh, student athletes at West <laughs> High School in Jacksonville. I just wanna talk a little, give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about what encouraged you to launch this initiative, what is the overall goal here? What progress have we made? How can we get involved? Um, you know, because that's something that's awesome and definitely wanna uh bring that to
2: the forefront here. Yeah. Um, and it was obviously it was around the time where the George Floyd thing had happened. Um, so I think that was heavy on everyone heavy on everyone's hearts, you know, and um and it was around the time where everyone was posting the blackout Tuesdays on um, Instagram and things like that. And I didn't post because I, I didn't want to post because I wanted to do something, um, you know, that I thought would be would mean a little more. Um, so we kind of thought what I could do um, with my platform to help that. And I think when I got with my marketing agency and we kind of came up with this, um, I thought I felt like it was the perfect thing to do. Um, and we chose the the school, Westside High School, because it's five minutes from my house, literally. Um, My mom teaches there, and both of my brothers actually graduated from the high school. Um, So it has um, some value in that it means something for my household. Um, And and the kids that go there aren't as privileged as the ones that go to Trinity Christian Academy. They don't have the same um, opportunities or resources as well. Um, So I thought that it would mean a little more. Um, being that it come from that school um, so but we're doing really well right now Bose actually just um, donated five thousand dollars to my scholarship fund um, and I, I found that out right before the game so I was extremely hyped about that extremely grateful that that Bose would take the opportunity to do that so we've just smashed our goal of, of about ten thousand dollars now um we're still gonna keep trying to raise money. Um, because the more money that we raise, the more um, scholarships we'll be able to give out. We'll be, probably be able to give it out to more students. Initially, we started with one, but seeing how well we were doing, we can probably go to two or three, just depending on how much we get um, towards the end of this thing. And um, so, yeah, man, I'm really excited about that.
0: Where can people get involved? And is there is there a deadline for this year um, for, for raising or have you set a new, set a new goal? Uh, where do we stand on that now?
2: So we, I think we're gonna push the goal up a little more just to see if we can continue to raise money. Um, we don't have a deadline set for, for the when we'll stop the GoFundMe yet. Um, so if you'd like to donate, you could still donate on. Uh, there's a link on my Twitter and the GoFundMe, or Instagram or all of my social media accounts. Um, I greatly appreciate um, if any of you guys did did donate to that. So.
0: We will absolutely push the push that link out. Um, you can see it either in the post or in the podcast write up, and we'll retweet it on our socials as well. Um, and Pat is going to bring us over to Rapid Fire, Isaiah. This is I've been excited for Rapid Fire, which with with you, we got some good ones in here. Uh, but go ahead and uh, just give uh, give Isaiah the rundown of how this works and uh, talk a little bit about the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry.
1: All right, so Isaiah. Rapid fire, you know the drill. We run down these questions, you know, whatever pops in your head first, uh, give it to us here. This is brought to you by the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Our guy, Dr. John Cranham, we know he's a huge Isaiah Ford fan, the whole Cranham family is, but uh, you you hop in there, you go down to Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry, you say Sons of Saturday, 20%, no, not 20, what am I doing? 50 50% off. That is half off. Your teeth bleachery. And uh, I just say it every week. Like, a lot
0: of you guys need
1: that. A lot, a lot of you guys more. need that.
3: That's fire, Bill. But there are what a they lot they guys need that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are saying that Isaiah Ford does have one of the better smiles out there in the NFL. Is this true? What are we thinking? I think so. I think
2: I think I'd have to agree with that statement.
3: <laughs> Confidence. It's key. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> I work hard.
2: I work hard. I work hard on this smile.
3: what kind of what kind of toothpaste
2: do you use i use crest there's like this red container Um, the ultra white i use it
0: too (laughs) yeah
2: yeah Yeah. it it makes your mouth it feel all fresh and everything like you just got something accomplished (laughs) when you press you know you're ready to start your day when you do it so
1: are you a fact wait
0: we gotta get crest
2: we gotta get crest sponsoring yeah can we can we get a
0: sponsorship
1: (laughs) we got we got some bows we got some crest uh but talk to us (laughs) rapid fire question number one who are the the best dbs that you know top of your head you could think of that you squared off against in college
2: uh kendall fuller um probably is the best db that I've, i've played against and i tell guys that all the time you know going against him in practice made everything easier for me in in the games because he was so smart. He was so detailed. He wasn't a guy that was going to physically try to abuse you at the line of scrimmage or anything, but kind of just pick his spots of when to to be physical, you know, when to sag off. And then he he read everything. So if you gave him any tails raising up of the shoulder pads or looking somewhere, you know, he was breaking before you were and he was running your routes for you. So I think going against Kendall made everything easier for me.
1: And then best DBs in the pros?
2: I got another good one on my team. I have two of them now, um, when it, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Um, but coming in the league when Xavier was there, I think it was right when he was coming into his own. Um, and then you see what he can do when he was healthy. He had, what, I think, like seven or eight picks in a league. And he's a guy that is more physical. Um, at the line of scrimmage, and his ball skills are extremely, extremely good. You know, it's like a, he turns into the receiver almost when it's turned to locating the ball, and um, and then that makes it tough on the receivers because when you have a DB that you know he's not going to turn and play the ball, it's almost easier, right? But when you know the guy's going to actually turn around and kind of challenge the ball and and go up and make a play for it, it makes it a little tougher on you. But just going against him in practice as well, and then you got Byron Jones, who just came from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he's a he's a extreme athlete, a guy that, uh, you know, kind of broke all the records at the combine when he was there and has freakishly long arms. So he can kind of stab you and he can run with the best of them too. So I think going against those guys make my job easier.
1: Favorite wing flavor at Sharkies? <laughs> Man. Uh, I like the Cajun ranch. Is that, is that
2: the flavor? I think that's, I, I certainly <laughs> have never had that flavor. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. Me and Tyler Fitzgerald, we used to get these Cajun ranch, Cajun ranch (laughs) wings like every other day, like sophomore year and in college. So I think that's the flavor.
1: Funniest teammate at Virginia Tech. Funniest teammate.
2: Ah, Cam was maybe not to you guys, but Cam was hilarious, man. Cam. Um, and me and Cam, you had to be be listening to like what he said under his breath for him to be, He, he was, he was super sarcastic, like always has something to say about everything. Like, um, but Cam was hilarious, man. Um, we had some good ones though. Tim was, Tim was extremely funny too. Um, Dwayne Johnson. Man, we had we we had, we had a lot of characters. <laughs> we had a lot of characters in my time at, at Virgin. <laughs> we had a, we had a few of them for sure.
0: I can throw. I'm going to throw some wild cards in here as well. Shy McKenzie was hilarious. Um, Mook was obviously really funny. Steve Sobchek was hilarious too. <laughs> we had a we had Jalen once, man. Jalen was funny. We had uh huh, and Jig Jig talking about really listening to when things are quiet and just kind
2: of listening. <laughs>
0: Nick was funny too. Yeah. No, um, what am I
2: what am I saying? Darius Darius um Redmond. Cal Calc was that's probably true. the the funniest the funniest guy we play with.
0: I have to shout out Darius Redmond because he set the table for me. Um, you know, selling t shirts, if you fall into the free t shirt trap, you go bankrupt. And he was the most stingy <laughs> about like hey, sweatshirt, man. I'm not going, in if not going to my sweatshirt. So I appreciate him giving me, uh, giving me the business model. Um, but Calc knowledge, nothing but respect for that guy. Uh, favorite on-campus food, Isaiah.
2: Favorite on-campus food. Does, does Dietz count? Do we count that? I, uh, yeah, I mean, favorite on-campus beverage then.
3: Damn uh, snacks. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, so it, Billy would tell you and it would, it would've been maybe like 20 degrees outside and i didn't i didn't care you i'd be walking to Deets with you know sweats on a hoodie on and and, and flip flops and uh getting a blacksburg sunset man that drink was it was so good and and it was so cold but i never really cared i just it used to taste so good we'd walk whether it was 20 degrees 10 degrees we go in the morning we go at night um it was it was probably the best the best thing um and, that and deep to
0: aside from that and
2: you know i know the
0: coaches wanted you to eat more of these but i would usually just eat all of them we would go over to dx and get the wraps with the fries in them and the chicken tenders in them um i was making poor decisions i used to get the dx sushi until <laughs> i got really sick one time with that, that. Is disgusting It was a poor decision on my part. (laughs) Um, I
2: I missed missed DX when I moved off campus. I really did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, DX was solid.
0: Um, Favorite catch in college? The ones that come to mind here, I mean, obviously, you mossed everybody in the pit game. ECU was a fantastic catch. We won't talk about the game in general, but the ECU catch was awesome. And then uh, Boston College, the one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. What was your favorite catch?
2: In college. Boston College, Boston College would have to be my favorite catch, um, just because of the the backstory of that entire play. So we put a play in where I would be in a, re- a reduced split, which is a, a tighter split to the line of scrimmage, and um, we knew that if I just ran a vertical a, a go and I was wide open, we called it earlier in the um, in the game, and draw missed me, so I was pissed. You know, I'm like, man, I'm wide open. He can throw the ball, so he comes to the sideline, mm-hmm. and he can kind of see that I'm frustrated. He's like, "Did I miss you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you missed me, man." You know, I'm kind of <laughs> him a little attitude. And he's like, he's like, "All right, well, we call it again. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw it no matter what." So I'm like, "All right." So we we catch a pick. I think it was like right before the half, and we call the play again. So like I'm already like in my head, I'm like, okay, I know Gerard's about to throw this ball. But we don't even get the close to the same look that they gave us in the in the first half. I mean in the first um um quarter of the game. So I'm like, the dude's playing way off and then he has a safety in the middle of the field, like helping him. So I'm just running off the ball and then I kind of just start looking. I'm like, I know he's not gonna throw this ball. Then I'm like I'm looking at him and he's looking at me. I'm like, wait, he is about to throw this ball. <laughs> and then, he, then he, he throws it up. He throws it up. So I'm like, okay, now I got to go make this play, you know, because I've been harassing him about throwing me the ball. And now it's double coverage and he's trusting me to go make the play. But he put it in a perfect spot, man. Like it was either I was going to catch it or no one was going to catch it. And it was a it was a beautiful play. Wow.
0: What a story. Shout out to, uh, Gerard, a man of his word. Uh, if you yes, didn't catch it, probably would have got yelled at <laughs> on Monday. Um, <laughs> uh, what is your go? You are like, you are like the Joe's is another one, which would be a great sponsor for you. What is your go-to Joe's order? I mean, I'd be going to Joe anytime I went to Joe's and, and I eat Joe's a good bit. I, I you know, and you'd be there every time. So what is your, what is your uh, go-to Joe's order?
2: Yes, double French toast with a side of sausage and a Sprite to drink, you know, and I got that so much that every time I came in, Travis or his wife would say, What's up, Isaiah? You having the usual Dolphin sauce or the salad sausage? You wanna sprite the drink? And it would roll off their tongues just like that. And it it would, <laughs> it would it would it would frustrate people so much if I came with them because they would have to look at the menu. I didn't even I didn't need a menu. I didn't need anything, you know, like they knew exactly what my order was gonna be and it was the same. And it always was so good every time.
3: Sprite, Sprite with, with breakfast. Yeah. Sprite with French toast is very interesting. I feel like that's a sweetness overload. So respect. It, the the, <laughs> the Sprite that. was
2: always fresh and refreshing. You know, like a, a there's nothing like one of those Sprites when you haven't had a soda in a really long time. It's just like, ah. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it, tasted, it was so it was so good man did you just good, come so on the sons
0: of saturday to try to get ads you coming <laughs> on here you're doing you're doing that <sighs> Sprite. you're doing the the ultra white for the and it leaves your mouth tasting great to get have a great day like you just yeah, coming on here a, a day off, right, you know you
1: talk,
3: you, you talk about lebron isaiah they're gonna put you in those claymation commercials for sprite at the holidays with them there you go i hoping yeah,
2: <laughs> the, the next, the next LeBron commercial, they can they can get me in the front row. You know how they had the one where it, LeBron was jogging on the beach and everyone was jogging in the crowd with him. Like if I could get like right behind LeBron, that would be perfect. Like just let me jog <laughs> everywhere. That'd be that'd be perfect.
0: Another, uh, we were talking about the dining halls earlier. I, I'm I'm gonna be surprised you remember this. D two, which first and foremost is criminally criminally underrated. Like D two is fantastic. They had the they had the regular like machines to get to get juice like Sprite Dr Pepper and everything else but they had another one over in the corner it was like berry blast mango maniac and like <laughs> all these weird names, like these off the shelf names do you remember we used to crush
2: those in the summer I remember that freshman summer us us doing that a lot but I wasn't a big B2 fan um Really? When, I might have been the only one that wasn't um but when, so when when campus in the campus and the season actually started, I didn't go to D two that much. It was always going to Hokie Grill mm-hmm. or um going to Chick fil A, something like that. Dang.
0: I thought I thought you were on the D two wagon with me. Okay. All right. All right. I liked it because I could eat a lot of volume. Nah, it's my fault. <laughs> it's just I, I liked eating a lot of volume. If I had gone to Hokie Grill and got three Chick fil A sandwiches and a Domino's pizza every or a Pizza Hut pizza every time, I'd have no swipes left. So yeah. I was like, you get more bang for your buck if you go to D2. Respect. I agree. Um, I agree. How does it feel? We won't, we won't expose the names here. But how does it feel to be one of two football players to have cooked a basketball team player in McComas or in Hanhurst? Uh, Isaiah, you are joined by great company by yours truly in beating a basketball <laughs> player, scholarships <laughs> basketball athlete, in 101. How does it feel to be mentioned
2: uh, in, that, uh, in that presence? Man, I'm honored to be in the presence of the other person who did that. I won't say this. I won't expose the name or the person that he played against. He may or may not be on this podcast with me. But, um, you know, that's a that's a pretty good feeling, man. No, I'm honored. Feeling. I'm honored to be in that same in that same situation as you.
0: It had to be tough. Or, All or you had to do was to make wait? me go left. All you had to do was make me go left. That's it. You can't go left. <laughs> um. Any pregame routines or superstitions for you,
2: Isaiah? Uh, I, I've kind of gotten myself out of those, um, just because I can kind of get to the point where I will try to do everything exactly the same, and I and um I've kind of tried to tell myself that you know you're gonna play well because of the work that you put in, you know, not because of you've drove at a certain time, or you've ate this breakfast at this time, or whether you put your socks on a certain way. Because I could. When I play well, I can kind of start to focus on all those little things like, no, I put my left sock on before I put my right sock on. No, I didn't put my gloves on until after I got out the field or anything like that. So I think throughout the last three years, I've kind of focused on, hey, you're going to you're going to go out there. You're going to play well because you put in the work. So trust the ability, trust your abilities, trust the work that you put in and go out there and let it rip.
0: So the last one that I have for you, I want to know where your love for soccer came from. Um, you know, you, you're a big soccer guy, and I also am interested to know who the best VT football FIFA player is. Yeah, so
2: that came from my girlfriend, of course, um, Kelsey Irwin, who played soccer at Virginia Tech. Um, before I met her, I hated soccer, to be completely honest. I, I never watched it. I didn't even want to play it on a video game. Um, but she kind <clears> of <throat> broke it down to me and showed me the, the beauty in the skill. You know, and once, once you understand the aspects of playing soccer and how hard it is, you kind of learn a, a better appreciation for how skilled those guys are um, and what they do. no you know, playing with their feet and how coordinated they are and everything like that. But, of course, I'm the best people play on, on that. That's ever been at Virginia Tech. Um, I know choice. Slide might have something to say about that. Maybe Motley as well, but uh, I think they knew who won most, more times than not when we were playing in the players' home, so.
3: And Isaiah, I just have a few more before we get into letters from the lunch pail. First question I have is, any significance behind picking the number 84?
2: Um, Actually, um, when I was switching numbers over, I picked it because Antonio Brown was wearing it. You know, Antonio Brown was a receiver that on the field um, and even the the situation that he was put in, you know, it was kind of inspiring to me from being a 6 one pick to not really playing early in his career to becoming one of the greatest receivers to play in the NFL. You know, and how serious he took his craft, the way he ran his routes, the way he played with that attitude on the field. Um, it was it was expi- inspiring to me, and that, and that was really why I picked 84 once I switched to from
3: 15. So you'll combine Sprite with French toast for breakfast, but what do you think about pineapple on pizza? I'm very curious.
2: No, I I don't do it. I don't do it. I'm a, I'm a pepperoni guy. Yeah. I don't think pineapple belongs on people. Maybe in in a smoothie, you know, put it in the smoothie. Not on your pizza.
3: That is the correct answer. Very good. (laughs) Okay. So you have already answered this question earlier in the podcast LeBron versus Jordan you said LeBron is your favorite player okay that's fine he's your favorite player do you think he's better than Michael Jordan
2: yes I do and um, and it and this is why I'll tell you I've had this conversation probably a hundred times since the last thing has came on in and I'm a big fan of the last dance I think it was it was geniusly done Um, he's you he is you. You are more <laughs> like Michael Jordan than you are like LeBron. We and, told, may, and I'm sure you've heard
0: this from m- multiple people.
2: Maybe. But so what I'll say to that is, when you're talking about who's a better player, I'm thinking about scoring the ball, passing the ball, rebounding the ball, playing defense, all those things. And I always tell people, if you can convince me, why do you think Michael Jordan's better than LeBron without mentioning championships? then I think you'll have a valid reason. But most people can't do it because they, they want to fault LeBron for being to the to the finals nine times. This is his 10th time going and losing six. But if you look at some of the teams that he's had when he's been there and how much of the workload that he's had to carry compared to the teams that Jordan had played with when he was in the championship in those championships, although he never lost or made it to a game six, I think that if you take the rings out of it, I think it's easy to see who's a better player basketball player. Do I think Jordan's a better winner? Yes. If, if it's to win one game, I'm going to, I'll pick Michael Jordan. But if it's, who am I going to start a team and who's going to get the most out of their teammates? I think it's LeBron James.
0: Quick follow-up on that, Isaiah. What was your favorite? What is your favorite Bron? Was your favorite Bron when he first came in the league, was just physically outmatching everybody? Was it when he was in Miami, We finally had help? Was it the second time in Cleveland, where he was more of a polished basketball player or now where he's just able to do anything in the game, whether it's pass,
2: play complimentary ball. What was your favorite version of LeBron? I think it was uh, in 20, was it 15, 16, when he won the championship. Um, just because of, to see his game evolve, you know, from when he was young, first coming in the league, shooting a lot of jumpers, to going to Miami where he, him and Dwayne Wade decided, you know what, we're going to get to the basket. We're not going to settle for jump shots to him teaming up with Kyrie and actually polishing his game more to where he can have he can play in the post, you know, he can shoot turnaround jump shots, he can get to his spots, he can get to the basket, and he was playing defense extremely well. Um so I think that was probably my favorite run. But the the LeBron's so good because of how well he can continue to reinvent himself. This is year 17 for him and he led the league in assists. You know, like that's unheard of. To, so to be able to to kind of take that role of being number two even to Anthony Davis and kind of letting him get his and understanding that as the true alpha that's been one, probably the best player in the league for the last 10 years, like I think that's a, been a testament to him. So.
3: Speaking of LeBron James and NBA championships, what is the best part or your favorite part about living in Miami's heat?
0: Uh. It would that was have to an be incredible framework, Grayson. Incredible
2: framework of that question. It would, <laughs> my favorite part would have to be um, being here in December because it's still about 70 degrees, maybe 80. You know, beautiful palm trees are blowing, sun's out, it's not freezing. You know, in Blacksburg, you're going to be freezing. Even in Jacksonville, it gets a little cold in December. Here, the weather is pretty much the same all the time. Um, so I think that'll have to be the my favorite part about being in
1: Miami.
3: I live in Los Angeles, so I can attest to that, it being December and 75 and sunny outside. So I, I, I get it. I agree. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, the my last uh, – my last lightning round question for you. When I was in Miami in 2008, I attended the Orange Bowl. Tyrod Taylor was an incredible game. The one thing that I remember about Miami is just all of the exotic vehicles, all of the exotic cars. just Lamborghinis, McLarens, Bentleys, Rolls-Royce trucks everywhere. What okay. is your dream car? Uh, I don't
2: really know. Um, growing up, I always wanted a Range Rover um, just because my dad gave me well my dad had one um when i was younger and then when i once i got to college he actually gave me his car so i had his range rover in college and then um my second year in the league i actually went and bought my first car the first really big purchase that i made with my own money and i bought another range rover so um i like to think that that was always my dream car growing up so i think to be able to say that um i was able to have that was is a blessing man but um like you said, down here, you can see every car. And it's actually become more normal for me. Um, coming fresh out of, out of college, it was like, man, look at that Rolls Royce. Man, look at that. You know what I'm saying? But now it's like you're just driving down the street and you can see every car. Literally, it's like an exotic car show um, on every street you go through. It's, it's insane.
0: Isaiah, we're going to bring it home here with our uh, Letters from the Lunch Pail. Uh, brought to you by Sharkies. Get on down to Sharkies. Go get you a cup. Got the logo on the cup. It's fantastic. Isaiah, since you've been in Blacksburg, our logo is on the cup. So the next time you get a a Sprite at 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning, um, (laughs) you will see our wonderful logo. On the cups, our first question comes from Mr. ZD himself, Joe Callis. He asks you, I see you are rocking the goatee. Are you getting any facial hair tips from Fitzmagic? If so, can you share with your friend in Hawaii on how to get some volume to my facial
2: hair? I am not. So this is twenty-four years of, of growth here, man. You've you uh, never shaved. Really, You've know never. Way. Wow. I don't. I don't really grow hair. This is as long as it'll get. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I wish I could grow the beard. Um, Kelsey probably wouldn't appreciate it as much, but. I think it'd be cool if I could grow the beard, but I can't. I'd have to I have to ask Fitz on some tips. Maybe he has some some magic stuff that he's rubbing on his face or, face <laughs> or something there. It's making his beard grow, so we'll see.
1: And then uh, I want to know, so Tua gets drafted. What's it like hanging around with Tua? He's this guy who's, you know, definitely gotten a lot of hype. Um, and, you know, you see him as a freshman at Alabama win the national championship. How's, uh, how's it been with Tua so far?
2: He's awesome. Um, he's in. He's a really, really good person, you know. And um, I think that when you have someone as talented as him, when you see how genuine when they are as a person and how kind of humble and just, um, just kind of carefree in the way that they go about things, um, it's it's kind of soothing, so to speak. And then he's really personable in terms of getting to know his teammates, you know, trying to understand their backgrounds and everything like that. And I think that. Whenever his time does come, he's going to be a, a really good player and a great leader. Um, and I think that him being able to learn from Fitz right now is is probably the best thing that, that could have happened to him, honestly. You know, Fitz is a, another guy that's probably the smartest guy I've ever been around. You know, he's been playing for so long. He's a Harvard grad, and he's seen everything, you know. So to be able to learn from him is, is going to be great for him.
3: Brent Bowen asks – what is your favorite non-football memory from VT? Ah,
2: favorite non-football memory? That's a tough one. Um, let me think. I don't know. I don't know. I think that all all of the good ones kind of came from 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 football. You know, um, just uh you spend so much of your time either in that football, in that football building in the facility or with your teammates, um, kind of around, uh, football. Actually, I'll say I got one. So, uh, freshman year, and CJ's going to be pissed at me for, for saying this, but freshman year, uh, <coughs> freshman year, we, um, there's a, a party at the end of, um, training camp. Um, so we're all just around having a good time and, um, and, uh, there was uh, a few people at the party. So we're having a good time. And, and all the receivers were up there with Willie Byrne. And um, somebody kind of comes up to CJ and kind of like, like is looking at him weird, like he didn't belong. And, and uh, CJ goes, I'm the next Willie Byrne. <laughs> he said it like really loud. And it was hilarious. Like everyone's just like <laughs> dying laughing at the time. But it so like, even, even to this day, like if, if I'm calling CJ, I might just randomly say that and he'll get, he'll get um, ticked off about it, but. That was, um, <laughs> that, that, that happened freshman year and I still haven't let him live it down. So that was, that was pretty good. To round out, uh, to round out
0: letters from the launch pail, Jack Click with a great analytical question. You had to expect Jack Click to come in here with a good analytical question. He says, have you put on any weight since being in the pros? What has been the focus, uh, of your physical development
2: over the course of the last uh, few years here? Yeah. So, um, If you know me, you know that it's always been extremely hard for me to put on weight. Um, My last year at Virginia Tech, I probably started the year around 195 and probably ended it around like 187. Um, So I was always a guy that would lose weight, especially throughout the season. So right now, I'm about 201, 202. Wow, broke 200. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for the first time, yeah, it was a big, big accomplishment for me. We're
0: but, in the same, yeah. we're in the same first number group now. Wow. You know? I never <laughs> knew I never knew we'd be the same first <laughs> number group.
2: <laughs> I never thought I'd see the date. Yeah, but no, I um this offseason, I really just um I wanted to make that a focal point of getting stronger functionally, you know, um, in my lower body and my upper body and everything. I wanted to be well rounded because I've always blown up kind of in my arms and I have a skinny lower body. So kind of that that was a big focus of trying to add mass to my lower body and then working on my eating, you know, making sure I'm getting three good meals a day and loading up on carbs and things like that. And I can attest that to um, my nutrition staff and then my girlfriend Kelsey on holding me accountable and making sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So
0: our last uh, our last segment here. Shout outs. Isaiah, shout out to you for taking the time on your off Sunday. Can't, uh, can't thank you enough for taking this time. Uh, it's always fun to get to catch up with you, I'm sure, uh, and hope everything is, is well. Good to see you happy and healthy and safe. But I want to give you the opportunity. Shout outs. Who do you have to shout out? What do you have to plug? I mean, we've, we've let you do like four or five different ad reads. So hopefully you'll be here <laughs> really soon or Sprite really soon. Um, but who do you who does Isaiah Ford have to shout out?
2: Yeah, um, man, just shout out to all my old teammates, you know, all the guys, that tech that I've crossed paths with one time or another. Um, and I just was extremely thankful and blessed to to get to know you guys, to build those relationships, you know, for those times, for those memories that we shared to all the uh, Hokie fans and alma mater that I've um, come across with you know um everyone's always so so genuine so nice you know and I think that another thing that's what makes Blackbird so special is the people man like the people that have came to that place are always so passionate about it and we all kind of share the same feeling and they're all really good people um shout out to Beth uh Barnes he's like my favorite person in the world <laughs> um and then lastly shout out to you guys, man. I appreciate you guys having me on this on this uh podcast. Um it means a lot. Well, thank
0: okay, you, we'll man. Do we'll do it thank again you. soon. Hope everything's going well with you. Tell the family I said hello and we will uh we'll link up soon.
2: We'll do. Ray!